We're partnering with the Boeing brands. That's, that's the brand that I'm doing business with. That's a brand that I've worked with for years. Uh, and it's a brand that I trust. Willie Walsh there talking about his trust in the Boeing brand after he created what was the biggest and perhaps most surprising story at Le Bourget this week. His IAG group signing a letter of intent for 200 Boeing 737 MAX jets late on Tuesday. I'm Lewis Harper, the Managing Editor of Airline Business, and I'm joined by Executive Editor Graham Dunn for our third and final Paris Air Show 2019 podcast. This one is a bit different, we're back in London rather than being on site at Le Bourget. A big advantage for us, and for you the listener, is we were able to talk about all the significant developments from Wednesday and look back at the show as a whole without the distraction of fighter jets flying overhead. I mean, that's unless things have got really bad with Brexit since we've been away. But just a health warning before we start, the show is still happening on Thursday, so we can't promise to cover all of the latest stories, and we're not in our usual studio, so apologies if the sound quality still isn't up quite up to scratch. So, hi Graham, how are you feeling after your nice, relaxing city break in Paris? It's very much so, a lovely, uh, a lovely chance of city break. Actually, the, there was a tumultuous um, storm <laughs> as we left. Okay. We were heading into the Eurostar there, but I believe some of my colleagues got absolutely trenched. Oh dear, okay. But that's by the by. It was, um, yeah. you know, after the, the fireworks of, um, of Willie Walsh and uh, the Max Order, you know, there was a lot. You know, I got people thinking almost anything was possible on um, the following day on the Wednesday, and it it was a sort of it was an interesting day without ever really catching fire. There was plenty to talk about, plenty of announcements. Mm. So yeah, so the obviously XLR had been a bit overshadowed, I think, obviously as you say by the IOG announcement. But some some interesting things around that though. We had Indigo Partners on Wednesday announcing an order for fifty. As with a lot of these things, I think. There was a mixture of uh, 32 new orders, 18 conversions from previous placed. Yeah, pretty much all these, and that's been at all the air, air shows. Whenever there's a, um, uh, there's almost always uh, a, a picture of something, a common theme that goes between them. A lot of the Airbus orders, a lot of the announcements were mixes of. of uh, almost all the new customers have taken taken a batch of new aircraft, but they've also converted some of their existing orders. They've these especially those add-ons with a big backlog there. And you saw quite a lot of the, the numbers, you know, you, it, it's almost a half and half when you look at the kind of announcement levels you're, you're, you're hearing for new aircraft, for the, for the XLL, XLR, half of those would be new business and about half would be conversions of existing uh, orders. But that doesn't take away that there's definitely a, uh, a market and a model, of a market and a niche or a business model for mm. that, that aircraft. Yeah, the um, Frontier, obviously one of the Indigo Airlines, their CEO, uh, Barry Biffle, specifically talked about the XLR possibly opening up well, Hawaiian flights, um, but beyond that, looking into South America and even Europe. And we've seen this before, haven't we, with a, a new narrow-body aircraft type kind of opening up those new markets. And I think that's where most of the excitement is around the XLR. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think with, especially in that, that um, I mean, it's with almost... All types, obviously, and, and you know, there's there's kind of new range, and there's extra range uh, payloads. It just makes certain routes more attractive, and that's certainly what you're seeing with the XLR in the same way as um, the Max and the Neo when they first arrived. Kind of opened up these, particularly the market that's very obvious is that 
uh, East Coast US to um, uh, Western Europe mm. to sort of um, lower density routes, uh, low density seating routes. Yeah, dare I say, it's another opportunity here for us to write a, an article on whether this is the moment for, for low cost long haul. Um, we also saw Qantas placing an order for 36. Um, majority of them, again, as we were saying before, they were conversions, but 10 fresh orders. I think Alan Joyce said that they would. Uh, it was a group order, so they could be mixed between Qantas and yeah, Jetstar. Jetstar. Yeah. So again, uh, another example where we may see a, a low-cost carrier using those those the new the new variant to, to fly new routes. Um, and then towards the end of Wednesday, um, we saw American Airlines um, uh, with with a commitment for fifty of the XLR. And American that had been touted beforehand. There was a lot of talk about that. Uh, Ned Russell. Um, who we had on the podcast earlier in the week, he was certainly expecting that order. Um, uh, and, you know, it's, a, it's another significant customer for the time. Yeah, and uh, American's president, uh, Robert Eisen, said um, it'd give them the opportunity to do things we haven't thought of in the past. So, <laughs> exciting times, an American. Um, just on Airbus as well, Thursday morning, we saw another... 80-20 order from the lesser NAC, so they, they trickled through as well. They did, and I think that's that's a story that's been that's a little a lost, you know. Even within, obviously, a lot of stuff's lost uh, against the uh, the Max order, but even within Airbus, you know, most of the the business and most of the stories and headlines have been around the A three two one XLR. Mm. Um, but the A two twenty, which is of course the old C series program, which they acquired uh, a year ago. Now when they did that, there were a couple of landmark kind of banner orders they had there. The, uh, there were big commitments from JetBlue and from uh, David Neelerman for this transatlantic um, startup, which mm-hmm. everyone still calls Moxie Airlines, even though apparently it's not going to yeah. be Moxie. Yeah. It but never was. It never <laughs> was. And, and it's really... It's very difficult, I can tell you. I mean, this is I mean, this is a problem for journalists rather than everyone else in the world. Mm. But trying to headline David Neeleman's startup Moxie <laughs> that isn't Moxie yeah. in headlines is really yeah. quite painful. And we've got a sixty character limit, so that's very difficult. Yeah. So uh, you know, we had that, and then you find that there'd been actually very little business for that type uh, until this show. But actually, that's set, overall that's seventy-five aircraft that um, from from um, uh, Delta with the follow-on order, but to get fifty from Air Lease, to get another twenty from uh, Lesser for NAC. So that's you know um, that's good business for that aircraft. And looking at. Uh, the smaller airframers, you uh, you went along to an ATR press conference. Yeah, I did, I did a couple of the ATR ones, and actually, it's a very. Uh, there's usually one of the regional manufacturers that has a, a, a you know an interesting or big show. With, you know, uh, you're not talking the same kind of volumes for these aircraft. Last last year it was Embraer, and Embraer did some uh, business at the show with KLM um, uh, right at the end. But for ATR. Um, they already uh, announced like a very significant deal with N- with NAC again, uh, which is for like a hundred aircraft. Um, it was entertainingly uh, headlined as being up to a hundred five plus <laughs> or hundred plus. It was very confusing, yeah. <laughs> but um, but you know that's a significant deal for them. And then yesterday they also announced a. Um, a uh, short takeoff and landing version of the uh, ATR forty two six hundred, and that's a real niche um, niche market. And they um, 
They yeah. secured a couple of, didn't they, of orders launched towards Elix, Aviation Capital and Air Tahiti. Yeah, and, it, and Elix is very interesting. They're the, they're the launch customer. Um, when, it, when it's launched, it's not actually... It's a weird process whereby they've, they're able to go and tout for business. Once they get enough business, they'll formally launch it, which they hope to do at the end of the year. And Elix is a... Uh, already a niche turboprop lessor, it's operating in that uh, niche market, and then it sees a niche within a niche, which is for these, you know, really restricted uh, airports and runways that you can land, it's 800 metres, uh, is where they're targeting there, and, you know, that that's it, that's interesting, you know, there's a, there's a, a real market, um, uh, or real opportunities, um, for specific airline operations in hot, basically hard to get to places, mm. and they see the chance for that. So this is not, you know, that's going to be as permanent going to be a, a niche bit, but um, you know, that's more good news for ATR. Yeah, talking about um, aircraft, kind of aimed at those smaller kind of niche markets. We going into the show, we knew Mitsubishi were overhauling the MRJ program and rebranding it under the name SpaceJet. Now I, I learned something during the show that. It, my instrument actually space jet. Are they talking about outer space? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not very reassuring for, for passengers, is it? But um, but no, of course they're 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 talking a lot about how spacious the the jet is inside. I guess that's the kind of marketing message. At the same time, we've got a rather, I mean, I think slightly confusing rebranding where the MRJ um, ninety has been rebranded the space jet M ninety, but the newer version, which is smaller, the seventy seat seventy six seat version is branded the M100, so um, a, a challenge for journalists and yeah. sub editors alike, I think, in the future on that one. But actually, at the show, um, there's fairly minimal activity, wasn't there? There was, a, there was a, an order or commitment towards the end? There was, yeah, there was a lot of interest about, uh, they obviously had this rebranding, there was a, a detail around customer, they did make a, a customer announcement, but mm. of a sort, it's probably the loosest customer announcement that was made. It was a kind of commitment to work with a North American customer. Mm. Um, you know, so that, you know, there's lots of potential there, but to what extent, uh, I think there's, you know, a lot more to do to make that happen. Yeah. Um, and there was, there, was, there was talk beforehand about um, uh, the, the uh, CRJ program, which mm. um, they're looking at um, uh, acquiring, but there wasn't any news on that either, so mm. quite a show for them ultimately. But, you know, they got a, a lot of space in the <laughs> magazines and newspapers and website um, yeah. ahead of the show. Yeah, and that's it. <laughs> and on the 76-seat version, obviously, that um, is, is aimed at the, the US scope clause requirements, so essentially the agreements between airlines and unions that limit the size of aircraft that can be flown by those regional affiliates, and the idea being that unions are concerned the airlines will kind of outsource more than the regional activity, but but yeah. Um, and, so that's why, and that's why it's significant that it's mm. uh, a North American customer. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, and on the CRJ, obviously, there's a, there's a theory that really what it wants is that network of MRO and facilities and everything for the launch, ultimately, of the space mm. jet. Um, thanks, Graham. In the second part, we'll move on just to talk about our thoughts on the show as a whole. So welcome back. So looking at the show as a whole, I mean, we kind of, I think, agree that surprisingly Boeing kind of stole the 
the showing away with the, the, the IAG order, we didn't expect that. And you can, if you listen to our day two podcast, you can hear us um, saying that. Um, um, and 10 minutes later on the same podcast, we're announcing that IAG order. But in terms of what this means for Boeing, do, do, is it... Is, is it the return of the max as the headline should have been in our in our daily for this news or, or is there there's still a way to go isn't there yeah there's a lot of ground still to cover not least getting that aircraft flying yeah, um, airborne again yeah. but it's it, you know it is such a statement order and it's such a, a statement and it's not you know i don't i was going to say i don't find it surprising obviously i found it surprising but i don't find it surprising that that willie walsh uh, would would uh, be the one to do this. I think before the show, we, you know, when we're talking about it, we wondered would there would there be an airline brave enough to to, to go out there and say, you know, when, when there's an aircraft that's grounded and put in a statement order, we probably thought Michael O'Leary would be the type of person who would do that. And obviously, he's a, an existing Max customer. For for IAG, which isn't a Max customer, mm-hmm. to to go and make this statement a statement order, you know. It's interesting, isn't it? obviously they, I'm sure, got a very good deal for this, um, you know, and that's what most of the questions have been around, how, how good a deal did they get for it. But also, you know, I remember on when the ash cloud um, happened and, and Willie Walsh was on, you know, on flights showing that you could fly, you know, there is something about him that wants to prove, you know, if he thinks something is, is safe or right or, you know, whatever, he... He almost goes out of his way to well, there's demonstrate. Talk, talk, wasn't there that he he had flown the Max Simulator mm. before yeah, this deal yes. and um, recovered the aircraft mm. from from an MCAS situation and and felt comfortable that way. So yes, yes, certainly. And on on the the Max branding, mm. and there's kind of even before this announcement, there were rumours that that Boeing was going to move away from that branding. And then when IAG put out a stock exchange statement. Um, it didn't mention the MAX by name. Now, of course, what it did use was the official designation of the aircraft, which doesn't include the word MAX, so it's, I don't think we can draw too much from that necessarily. And since then, I think some Boeing executives have said that they're not considering dropping the MAX name. So I, I, I think this story's going to run and run, mm. and Boeing ultimately mm. might decide it has to, It's going to run. It might decide it because people are going to keep asking. <laughs> yeah. about, I, you know... There are so many questions about that return to service and how they handle that, and you know that public perception mm. uh, when they when they do that. That um, you know that will have to be something they they consider, and they you know they've been open about about that. Um, yeah, my my take would be I'd be very surprised if their their PR push on this would be to subtly drop the name mm. because if they do that. Um, if it, they seem to be kind of trying to hide the, yes. that these are Max aircraft by kind of just suddenly referring to it slightly differently. I don't think the optics mm. on that are very good given why we're in this position. So it might be wrong, but that, mm. that would kind of seems an unlikely PR plan for, yeah. for, the, for the brand. And I think, um, yeah, as we said, there's so, so far to go with the Max, it might be easy to get excited about what's happened with IAG, but as you say, it's not flying yet. And and really, given the unprecedented nature of what's happened with with the aircraft, um, you really aren't going to be able to tell until it's back in service whether they're really 
will be um, like a customer confidence in, in flying it. Yeah, and and in terms of both from a from the customer side and also from from airlines, whether they mm. are ready to jump in as well. I mean, uh, the obviously the question we have, Jonas, and even as the show has broadly wrapped up, it is still going on. It is not beyond the realms that their Boeing will have another mm. another announcement. But uh, you know, I think when you look at the context of the show, Boeing, uh, you know, we we you know we like to create battles that aren't necessarily there and, and you know has Airbus on the show, has Boeing on the show mm. or, uh, it's, I think it's probably you know Boeing, is it Boeing won the um, Airbus won the battle and Boeing won the war or something like that yeah. around, because, because um, the order dominated it mm. you know in uh, that max order 200 aircraft, Boeing's booked I don't know, the, the last time I looked it was about 230 odd order commitments there so it's really largely just that BA order mm. and Airbus has booked far more business mm. um, over the show as things, uh, as, as things stand um, yet the BA and the MAX aircraft is the, probably the order people will be talking about in years to come that's it and um, obviously uh, the start of the show we talked about on Monday how we were surprised I'm slightly surprised to see the Virgin Atlantic order um, um, with, with Airbus um, but 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 generally, um, talking about Airbus's <coughs> show, um, it has been very narrow body focused. We haven't really seen any great um, wide body activity. No A three fifty orders, for example. No, there, no, there's, there's been none of those. Um, but there are some interesting ones. The A three thirty Neo, uh, the Cebu Pacific order is really interesting mm. um, in terms of the the number of people that plan to, to seat in that. Yeah, is that 460, I think? Yeah, so that's, you know, that's eye-catching and interesting uh, in terms of bits and pieces. So that they, but it was definitely around the narrow-body section, the narrow-body side of things, but, you know, at least, you know, from a journalistic perspective, uh, you know, what we, you know, so there was a new type to talk about, and they got some stuff, uh, a newish type of the A220, so... And I think the orders at the show have brought them into net positive territory for the year, which is not easy. <laughs> <Just, laughs> well, this was very unusual, though. Mm. Going into it, both, you know, Airbus and Boeing were in this bizarre thing where neither had done much business for, for you know, a variety of different reasons, and both had suffered, Boeing in particular, had just suffered from Jet Airways grounding and, and future bookings that they may have been taken out of the backlog. So, mm. you know, it's nice to see some positive territory returning. When... When of course those those orders are finally put into the into the backlog, yeah. um, you know, it's, uh, it, it, people ask quite, you know, how how many orders were there at the show? It's really quite difficult to tell how many because it depends what you call an order. Is it a firm order or is it a, an intention to order? And then how soon do those orders um, come together? Um, but you know, once they are in the books, however long that takes, it, it is there, there is positive territory. And obviously, uh, one thing that stood out by its absence at this show was the A380 has been kind of a, a mainstay at the, the big air shows in recent years. I couldn't help but notice there was a, an A380 sort of sitting rather forlornly um, over the other side of the airfield um, at Le Bourget. But, um, but yeah, a bit, a bit strange not to have that because whatever you think about the A380, that, that kind of flying display was always a, a bit absolutely. of a highlight. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Away from the, the kind of airframers themselves, um, in terms of the customer mix we saw at the show, there's an interesting element. There, there, there are quite a few dynamics there. I think what you've seen over recent years, particularly when there's quite a, a splurge of, of orders, a lot of order activity, 
Um, uh, customers are making very big commitments, you know, so we've, we got used to, you know, whether it's AirAsia or Indigo, whatever, ordering, you know, 150, 300 with options, you know, these massive orders, and you had, you know, loads, loads historically have ordered, you know, 100 plus, you know, filling those order books over the next, you know, five, ten years, whatever it is. But on this one, there's been, a, you know, a lot of topping up orders, you know, there a lot of airlines have, have added another 50 here, another 30 here, Lessor's 50, 30. There's only, you know, IAG is the standout, 200 plus. Mm-hmm. Air Lease has ended up uh, with, you know, 100, 100 plus, and Lessor's are usually quite busy in that environment. But, you know, beyond that, you're looking at Saudi, Korean, you know, with orders in that sort of 50, 60 magnitude, even with options. So, um, mm. uh, so I thought that was interesting. And, you know, last year we had undisclosed customer, our mm. favourite thing. So basically, <laughs> uh, you know, almost half, it felt like half the orders announced. And I always found it um, challenging to write that uh, they've announced an order for an unannounced customer because yeah. it's not quite the same thing. But there, there was a lot of um, a lot of orders for undisclosed customers, uh, and that was probably uh, we still don't know because they, they were unannounced. Probably to do with China mm. and uh, the, the the background of the uh, uh, stops the China U.S. trade war that mm. the optics again probably didn't look too great to have. Um, Chinese carriers announcing those orders. Plus, also historically, a lot of those Chinese orders, Chinese orders have been formalised as to exactly where they're going or revealed closer to delivery. Mm. Uh, it's not that unusual. This year, the virtually none so far. Um, mm. ATR um, uh, announced a few, or unannounced a few. <laughs> um, but interestingly, also, I don't think there's been a, a Chinese airline order at all. It's in fact. You know, very little Chinese engine order business. So then, uh, I think had something. You know, and compared to recent years where so many orders have come from China, that's that's a different. You know, that is definitely different. Whether that's to do with the trade war or whether that was just how things landed, whether they've they got enough for now. But it's definitely, I thought, interesting. Mm. Yeah, you think, yeah, there could be a lot going on behind the scenes, as you say, but um, very much the optics of it would be, I guess, particularly difficult with, um, given how much that US-China trade war is, is wrapped up, certainly in, in recent months. And another kind of key theme that, that I think people wanted to be a theme anyway mm-hmm. at the air show is sustainability. And, but it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because you, you don't really get a sense of... Uh, a single pathway, and that's maybe that's because there's not. But I almost find it quite confusing and slightly overwhelming hearing lots of different people telling you they've got the answer. But when you actually drill down into the detail, you don't really it, get the sense that anyone's really sure. Um, it's it's really so. It's definitely, and we were talking about it when we were talking about IATA in, in an earlier podcast. That the industry knows that it knows it has to address sustainability mm-hmm. and I think people have always talked about it and you know there's action there's definitely stuff going on you know it's at the top level of things you've had you know chief executives you had proper kind of um, grown-ups trying to uh, dedicating time proper initiatives it, it's definitely on mm-hmm. the radar uh, you know the challenge is 
is to is to um, take words into action, is to, that, that's it. to get, accelerate it, I guess. Yeah, you get this curious mix because for some manufacturers and airlines, they they will try and suggest that they're in some way superior because in a lot of cases they've accidentally done something that means mm. they are more um, more uh, environmentally friendly in, in double quotes. So it may be just that the routes they tend to fly and the, the fact that they happen to have newer aircraft means that they can say, oh, we're much more um, you know, environmentally friendly than other airlines. But, but that, I don't think those kind of boasts or arguments are going to take the industry very far. Um, yeah, it's you know it's definitely they they are definitely um, greener than flying older aircraft. Mm. But yeah, <laughs> um, the, yeah. When you think again, we talked about as you say in the IATA podcast that the the inconvenient truth on this is there is you know, emissions are going up even though these kind of more um, efficient aircraft are coming into service just because of the sheer volume of aircraft coming you know coming into into fleet. So um, and. When you look at electric aircraft, for example, things like that, it's still very much the case that you know that there's no way, no, no one's suggesting that we're even close to being able to fly, you know, 200 people in, in an electric aircraft on a on a medium long haul route, whatever, even on a short haul route. It's it's, um, it's so far off that um, that. But but maybe this is all just you know it's part of a, a longer term process. I think. I think we're, we can definitely see that airlines, manufacturers just can't ignore it anymore, and they, and they can't just pay a lip service. It's got to, got yeah. to be more to I, it. You know, I think there's, a, I think there's genuinely on the horizon. They genuinely know they need to deal with it, mm. and they're genuinely trying to do stuff. But it's it's such a long term challenge to sort of industrialise this kind of thing. And as we talked talked about before, you know, uh, tackling environmental issues uh, it, that's not straightforward there's not necessarily silver bullet you know we, we, you can improve on carbon emissions somewhere and mm. you know there's other implications in becoming electric and so forth so nothing is uh, straightforward that's it um and yeah the the fact is that the headlines from the show are you know, big orders for for jets that are you know <laughs> releasing significant emissions into the atmosphere so um as long as that's the story, there's going to be a, a lot, a lot of work to to do to kind of turn around the narrative on on commercial aviation. I think. Um, so the show's not actually quite over yet, so you never know. But while we're speaking now, um, kind of around Thursday lunchtime, we're, we may be missing a, another huge surprise order somewhere. Maybe not. But um, that that's it really from our, our coverage from Paris. Obviously, you can follow. All of the news and analysis um, uh, from the show at flightglobal.com. Um, well, and even I mean, and if you you can go to flightglobal.com/slash/paris, you can try that. You can try that, and uh, yeah. that will take you to a dedicated stream of all the best, the best of our Paris coverage. I think we take. That's right. And so um, we'll be back to the the kind of normal airline business podcast, hopefully. Um, uh, uh, in the near future when the, the next issue comes out and we've obviously got the airline strategy awards and things coming up as well where we hope to um, offer some coverage of that by this um, this medium hopefully so but in the meantime thank you Graham and thank you Lewis for all your hard work no thanks and uh, we hope you enjoyed our slightly different approach to to covering the Paris Air Show and we'll speak to you soon